With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to the Tennis.com podcast, and here's your host, Ed McGrogan. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Tennis.com podcast. I'm Ed McGrogan here with Richard Pagliaro, Steve Tigner. Uh, we're in New York gathering, first time since the U.S. Open. Uh, also, right after the Davis Cup semifinals concluded this weekend, we get a final of Czech Republic at Serbia. We'll get into all that. Um, I do want to talk about though about actually the uh, the losing squads here too because I, I think both or I shouldn't say both of them one of them paying off pretty good that was Canada um, you know watching this weekend some other stuff in the athletic world you see I, it was pretty surprising to see Manzel come out pretty good out of that A and M Alabama game and uh, you know along those lines I think some of the uh, some of the Canadians came off pretty good even in a losing result here. Um, this was by far the more compelling of the ties. They lose three to two with a two to one lead at one point. Um, Pospisil, someone you wanted to talk about, Richard, as a singles and doubles player this weekend, and he made a, a sort of an announcing name for himself this summer in Montreal to um, pretty much all but hardcore tennis fans. So. Yeah, what did you see from him in defeat? And then maybe we'll get into the, the victors of this. It's funny because he didn't win a set in the singles, but he still made an impression, I thought, in, you know, the whole weekend. But I liked his competitive character. They were down in the doubles, you know, home crowd against him. They came back strong. And also in the singles, I mean, he fought Tipsarevich the whole way. He had to be, his legs had to be real almost shot after the doubles, and then he got blown out on Friday. But I thought he hung in there the whole way, and I thought a telling moment he saved the fourth match point uh, against Tipsarevich with a smash. He threw a huge fist pump, and I just think his whole posture, he, he, you know, he really came to play every point. Even though he didn't win a set, I thought he showed you a lot of, a lot of good things, the two-handed backhand, the versatility of the backhand, his ability to come into the net, and on clays, on a slow surface, he wasn't scared to try to take it to Tipsarevich, and he's a good athlete. He bounces around the court. Uh, you know, I, I thought he showed a lot of good, good things. His forehand, to me, is a little bit shaky and unstable, if he could solidify yeah, that. Yeah, this is what I was going to ask, because I, I remember asking this question a little while ago, is, I think we know, we obviously know what Raonic does very well, but uh, what does possibly, he's still pretty much an unknown relatively, like, what does he do well to you, Steve, from what he you saw? He does have that, that springiness, like Richard said, he um, he really has, you know, has a lot of athleticism, um, a lot of enthusiasm, seems to be, you know, doesn't seem to really get down on himself that much. Um, and doesn't seem scared of the top guys at this point. He had a couple of big wins in Montreal. You know, he didn't do much against Djokovic in Serbia, but that's not that's not too surprising. But he also, for this team going forward, Canada, 
he also brings a lot in in doubles. Obviously, he you know he was a big part of of getting that point for them with Daniel Nestern. I guess it just shows that you know it's, it's amazing that Canada was able to get within one match of the Davis Cup final, by far their best showing um, in a long time. And, and I think they have a I think I don't think it's a fluke. I think they have a you know a, a solid team with those two guys. Yeah, and um, you know to talk about Raonic, but I. One of the parts I caught was, uh, you know, Friday's first rubber, Raonic and Tsarovic, the, uh, uh, sorry, the second second match of, of Friday after Djokovic had, had taken the 1-0 lead and it looked all but certain that Serbia was going to go in the weekend 2-0, pretty much the ties over at that point. And I think the match point that Raonic saved was a, a ball that he called um, for the ump to come down and look at the ball mark there, actually, quite a it was it was actually probably one of the more bold challenges probably ever, and uh, with with that much on the line, then he comes back, um, a guy who I think we've talked about in the past is some people wonder about you know he has the physical gifts and you wonder about the mental strength, and he comes back and wins ten eight and five on the road. Yeah, he um, that was one of the probably one of the gutsier wins I've ever seen from him. I really expected him to lose the fifth set, you know. He went down match point there, but he showed a lot of um, toughness. With, you know, playing away, playing against Tipsarevich, who was, of course, incredibly fired up. Um, I think Raonic. You know, we, we talk a lot about how Davis Cup can be a springboard for players, and I feel like Raonic may have done something that he didn't really expect himself to do in that match. He did lose pretty easily to Djokovic on Sunday, but that's a whole other level. But I think it was a good weekend for Raonic as well. Yeah, and. Um you know, to go to Serbia here, you know, we have Djokovic getting the two singles points. And, and you know, for Djokovic, I, I, I think one of the – I think that still the question people had really right after the Open was kind of what do we make of, of Djokovic this season of, you know, the number one and, you know, of late it's been more sort of big match disappointment instead of, you know – ultimate success there. It actually reminds me a little of of when Nadal in Spain won the Davis Cup a couple of years back, and that was a year where it wasn't widely seen as a great year for Nadal despite winning a major, and, you know, he ends up kind of getting, in a sense, the last lap, winning that last term, and, and um, you know, I wonder if that's really where this, how this is going to go to Serbia, but, you know, all things considered, this was as good a weekend as I think Djokovic could certainly have asked for to, you know, go through two matches unscathed and, you know, basically win pretty much the whole point for his country there. Um, yeah, he leaves on, you know, he plays on Monday night. He stays in New York for for um, something for his foundation, for his uh, celebration for his foundation. He doesn't get there till Wednesday, and he doesn't lose a set. And you can really see what Davis Cup does for him, all the edginess um we see and we've seen from him this year in big matches. All that's gone when he plays Davis Cup. He's just really focused. You know, even the way he plays points, just much more purposeful. You can see where Davis Cup would have been a why it was such a big deal for him in 2010 mm-hmm. to give him so much more confidence. He just he seems to thrive in that. And I, you know, even in the interviews he did over the weekend, it seemed like he was really happy to to get the U.S. Open out of his mind so quickly with this with this weekend. Right, yeah. And I, I think, yeah, I think that, ag- certainly that aggression, I think, was there in, in a lot of his matches, too. And, um, you know, like I said, to, to get, you know, he was in a must-win match, of course. And, you know, there's certainly leaving it to, leaving it to the fifth there. And um, just, you know, just a, 
you know, another notch. And, and he could be one of, you know, Serbia, of course, with the team they have, they could end up being, you know, I think obviously very perennial Davis Cup contenders for many years around the road. And, you know, we see Djokovic there getting that. You know, what did you see from Tipsarovic, speaking of the last member here, um, you know, Richie wrote the racket reaction to that match. And that was a match where, um, you know, Serbia did very well in tiebreakers this weekend, actually, too. Um, and that's, you know, Tipsarovic won, I believe, two of them. Um, yeah, first and third set. Yeah, how did you know? How did he uh, look to you on that? With you know, that's a ton of pressure on him. You know, Canada I, yeah. really has nothing to lose, even though they you know did have the lead at one point. Plus, like Steve said, blowing the match—not that he blew the match around it, but squandering a lead against Roundage—that had to be praying in the back of his mind. I thought the best thing he did in that match was you could tell from the very outset he was going to get off first. When they're in a neutral rally, he was going to first take the first strike. When they got in the breaker, he was going to get the first. He made sure that he was always calling the shot on the big points. And the other thing, I think he realized early on that Pospisil, the forehand was a little bit flaky. So instead of just pounding the forehand, he would go wide to the backhand, then make the guy hit the running forehand. And he was drawing some pretty big air. I mean, he got the mini break, the first point of the first set tiebreaker, and he had three break points like the third game of the match. So even though it was tight the first set, I always felt like he was trying to take the initiative, and he ran down some beautiful drop volleys from Pospisil where he really showed you, you know, regardless of him getting up in the late 20, I mean, he still has the burst, that guy. He really, I thought he played with a lot of composure, too, because it's easy to let the moment sort of envelop you and everybody going crazy, and like you said, Pospisil had nothing to lose. I thought he, he managed the match very, very wisely, yeah. I felt. You know, for the other tie, you've Czech Republic really just taking it to Argentina, and Argentina, this is not their top squad without Del Potro. Um, it, he, I believe, he played in the, some of the earlier tie, or has he been out this entire year? Uh, Del Potro and Davis Cup. I mean, I know he was just out for this because of the wrist, but yeah, it's it, it looked. You know, this was one of the ties where it looked as overwhelming as the result turned out to be coming in from Argentina's point of view to go in against, um, you know, checks on a fast surface there. And with two players, um, Steve, as you wrote about today, that are, you know, practically a doubles team and also a Davis Cup. Like they've, you know, they have single-handed between both of them have taken our, taken the checks to the title last year and back to the final this year, Stepanek, yeah, I mean, if they, can, if they can win it again, they'll have to be one of the top two-man Davis Cup teams of all time. Not that I can name any others, but he, but mm-hmm. they, um, but they really, you know, they've been so committed to it for so long. They, they've played virtually every tie over the years, even when they weren't successful. Um, you know, them going to Serbia, this is going to be even tougher. They, they beat Serbia last year without Djokovic. They lost to Serbia the year before with Djokovic, so now they'll have to face him with Djokovic again. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't think they're out of it at all because of, like you said, they're 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 a really good doubles team. They would probably be favored in the doubles, and you know they'll need they'll need a they'll need somebody else to step up and win two matches. It'll be tough to beat Djokovic, but but these guys, you know, they they've surprised us for a long time. I don't think anybody thought that these guys were going to eventually break through and win the Davis Cup with just two players. Yeah, and. Yeah, getting into the final here, like I said, this is not until November. This is um, ex- almost exactly two months away. You know, these beyond that history, there was what we were talking about before last year uh, with them. Rich, if you can perhaps recap that with 
some animosity. Well, they had that really intense match to Sarovic and Stepanek, and then afterward he accused him of giving him a finger on the post-match handshake. And from what I remember, Stepanek didn't actually deny that either. So that really sets up like an old school, like when Tyriac was playing Davis Cup or, you know, real kind of throwback, you know, intense sort of uh, sort of rivalry when they reunite again. And Stepanek, he always reminds me of like one of those hockey players where if you were playing against him, you would hate him because he'd you know, get you in the corner and jab you with the stick or he'd drop the gloves. But if he's on your side, you love the guy because he'll do anything and he competes. You know, he uses the gamesmanship. He'll, he'll use anything to compete. So he's a great teammate. I mean, we saw that at the Open with, with Pays. I mean, Pays mm-hmm. was praising this guy like he wanted to adopt. I mean, you could see the love there was he really – people are really loyal to him that play right. with him. He's a great, great teammate. You know, he seems to reside in kind of that gray area between gamesmanship and outright trying to screw with your head. But he's very, very effective. You know, you got to respect him. Yeah, and you know I don't want to trivialize the final in any way, but you know this is this will be a final where a it's it's also very close both nations to both Eastern, um, and I th- I would think this should be a pretty gr- a, a really good crowd too for this, which I think adds so much. Of course, you know it it is such a big part of Davis Cup and um, and beyond all the players that are involved and everything. I think I think it sets up to be a pretty nice final uh, this year. I think. You know, last year I think we knew kind of what we were getting in a way with Argentina and the Czechs. I think this might be a little more of a throwback to the final of the year before Argentina and Spain where it's, you know, I think it's a tough final to call even with Djokovic playing here. Um, You know, if if you want to talk about earlier what, you know, how do you perhaps see that coming out? Um, Well, yeah, like you're right about the crowd. The Czechs will show up there because it's close and, and they'll they'll travel for that, so that'll be interesting. Um, Djokovic and Burdich is an interesting matchup. Djokovic obviously has dominated over the years, but Burdich beat him on clay this year. If he can do that again, then that shifts the whole tie around. I think the doubles you favor Burdich and Stepanek. They're not a regular team, but they're 15 and three in Davis Cup. Um, and then you know Stepanek, Tipsarovic, that one that may dis, you know that may be a deciding factor in the tie. And I don't think you can. I think that one's kind of a toss-up as far as um, as far as who I would pick in that match. You know, other, one other thing I was thinking about for for Davis Cup coming off this weekend is it was um, you know it was a weekend where you had all this going on. You also had Nadal and Murray playing as well. Um, we're gonna have a piece from Pete about that actually on the site in, in a little bit, but and you had Warinka, so you had most of the U.S. Open semifinals yeah, playing. You know, playing. You had the top. You had the some might say the top Swiss playing this weekend, yes. Um, you know, I read some comments from Murray talking about how he thought it might it might be best if Davis Cup was mandatory, actually, for for the top players to get that commitment. And then, you know, I also think when I hear about that and I think about how it was as surprising as it was to see Djokovic play, I think it was just surprising to see Rafa play. He's playing in a playoff to get Spain back in and in a tie that they would – you know, perhaps probably when it was a home to begin with, Ukraine was a, you know, they have some players, of course, but, you know, maybe, you know, what are your thoughts on perhaps what what Murray was getting at there? And you know, to me, it, it is a thing where it doesn't, I think the logic might be sound, but it, it is a tough thing in practice, of course. And, 
you know, to me, it, it was surprising to see Rafa play this week. I think all of that was a little bit of a surprise to me is, um, you know, just maybe the players to me, uh, I don't understand. I, I don't see how, uh, I forget how much they enjoy the competition is what, is what I'm trying to get at there. You know, we, the schedule is overloaded, but you still see Rafa playing, Murray playing, Murray touting how great the competition is still. Um, you know, any thoughts on maybe on maybe that going forward from you know from those players' perspective, and obviously you see Federer you know passing up on the competition too once again. I mean, it's interesting to hear Murray talk about that because he talks about how much he he has talked about how much he doesn't like the mandatory all the mandatory ATP events. I mean, he he definitely must have been feeling good about Davis Cup by the end of this weekend to to talk like that because he hasn't played it you know he hasn't played it every time. For sure, um, I could see making it mandatory, but then making it maybe every two years or changing the format a little. Mandatory, the way it is now, seems like a lot to me. To ask to to tell the guys they have to do that if you're if you're going to make it if you're going to make it something that the players have to be involved in, make it a little less onerous, I would say. Um, but you're but this weekend did show how much all the players, you know, love to play it. How much how different it is from the tour and how much it sh- you know. How much fans can get into it? People, you know, even Ar- Argentina, which had barely any chance in that match, their fans showed up. Um, Canada, who were big underdogs, they came to Serbia, and it's just the one place in tennis that allows the fans to be part of the team, the way the way they are in other team sports. And I, I feel like Davis Cup should be promoted for that reason, for the fans' participation as much, you know for the for the players enjoyment of it and i think when you wrote that in your article today and you and you also brought in along those lines you know davis cup is often talked about as is it is it could it benefit from being in you know one site and you know i think about other competitions where it's all countries the world cup for example um you know it's not like the crowds there are not partisan just Mm -hmm. because there, it's not being played in their country. They're, the support does go there. The home and away is great for the energy, and people think that would be lost if it was in a neutral site. It might be, but I also think maybe, maybe the Argentines and the Spanish fans and the Czech fans and the, would would come to that site and make it as just as exciting. I don't know. Maybe it should be at least. How about we say at least in Europe? That <laughs> right <laughs> at this point, yes. Yeah, with uh, with all the countries there. Um, yeah, any final thoughts on uh, on the cup going forward there? You know, Rich, um, like I said, for maybe your thoughts last word on the final coming up. You know, at that point, you can expect Burdich and Djokovic to have just played London, I would think, as well. I, you know, that perhaps evens itself out a little bit. And I think you're going to see, like you said, it's going to be Tipsarovic. And, and so often these matches do come down to, you know, Possibly that fifth rubber again, where you know it's not the top two guys. They will play the fourth rubber there, and um, you know any thoughts on perhaps how that is going to play out? I'm in still intrigued about the surface because I think you know we're assuming it's clay, and it probably could be. But you know, you look at like Steve said, Burdich. He's only beat Djokovic twice, I think. One was on clay, and one was on grass. So Djokovic, plus he'd be coming off that Asian swing of all hard court events. And then the year end, maybe he would want a hard court just because he's been successful against him and he'll have those weeks of playing hard, hard. And that's his favorite surface. But then again, you know, I think Steve's right, Stepanek on clay, that's probably where he's most vulnerable and he's older than those other guys too. So to me, the surface is still, a, a you know, kind of intriguing. 
mm-hmm. well, you know, which direction they decide to go. And I, I think that, you know, Djokovic is going to obviously have a lot of input into that. Yeah, that's yet to be determined and, uh, you know, will play obviously a large part in how that all shakes out there. So, um, so we'll be back next week for the podcast again. Richard Pagliaro, Steve Rogan, thank you all for listening to the Tennis.com podcast. You've been enjoying Tennis.com's weekly podcast. Thanks for listening. For all the latest news and events, head over to Tennis.com.